welcome to this week's episode of Nitty Gritty. It was the batch. The batch. We batched some episodes. Um, we had Coach Dave Rose, the old BYU basketball men's head coach. Old? That's rude. X. Yeah. X. The winningest. The coach most winning coach in BYU history. In BYU basketball history, even with his vacated wins. We should have talked about that. I was kind of mad we didn't. Yeah, we didn't get to Because he the, got screwed. He did. For sure he did. But we got to talk a lot about some things that he even said. He's like, I've never been able to actually tell my opinion before. Totally. You know, and that, that BYU culture, I mean, it's probably the same at all schools. But, you know, I get to kind of see behind the scenes and they're, they are all so calculated and careful and there's so much that goes on that people don't know about yeah and i mean even a business that works with them like i have to like if i mess up once i'm done like i i won't be i won't have the access that i have and so it was really cool like he did man he really opened up and told some great no and and he wants to go into broadcasting and he has such a cool insight and he has always been He's helped me with a, th- a few things in my dealings with BYU. He's yeah. just always been such a like super nice, accessible guy. And I think I want everybody to kind of get to see that side of him. And I think you, you do For on this sure. episode. Yeah, you see a different side of him and kind of get to know him a little bit more. So it was a ton of fun to yeah. kind of reminisce on some of the sports stuff, but then get into life questions. Right. and Well, the cancer and the heart attack. Like the yeah. guy has come through some crazy stuff yeah i mean he should not really be alive yeah and so yeah i think you guys are gonna like it yeah so hope you enjoy it and want to continue to thank trey for the cool intro music that he provided us yeah the music's cool yeah i hope you guys liked it feels more professional and keep the reviews coming in like it's been fun to read those and yep we'll do another giveaway here shortly for those and we need to start reading one that we like every week we should just to show some love but but thank you thanks for subscribing and sharing and leaving us a review. Yep. So we hope you enjoy it. All right. Well, welcome to the nitty gritty. I always want to know what podcast number we're on, but I don't know. We're like veterans now. That's all that matters. Too 39, many, really? Too many to count. 39, that's it? It feels like so many more. <laughs> well, we have a very special guest, kind of a legend. A living he, legend. A living legend. He won't say he is, but... Barely living. Barely. <laughs> 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 he's definitely overcome some uh, overcome some things but we have we have coach dave rose with us byu legend houston legend dixie legend what else yeah. husband legend yeah right your wife is so nice like you have to be an awesome husband because she's just so happy and nice well i just let her do whatever she wants well there you, you go <laughs> exactly that's, that's how it works that's i mean a wife that i'm learning that <laughs> I, i'm still learning that I, I, I will tell you this guys that i've done a few you know, media productions in my life and podcasts and radio interviews and TV interviews, but I've never had it smell so good. <laughs> it smells freaking awesome. In here. That's how come these things go so long. It's yeah. Everyone just gets so comfortable. That's they right. get like the barbecue yep. coma that kind of grazes over them. It's yeah. true. I kind of smell it. We did the podcast last week at his office and I could kind of smell it in the, in the, the mic filters, yeah. you know, that smoke, it kind of takes over everything that's why i put the air filter in here and i just leave it on high all the time but but yeah it is a good smell makes you kind of hungry yeah so and we do feed you after that's that's good that's one nice thing about this podcast you go home with you know a swag bag full of barbecue that'll make my wife really happy well good (laughs) yeah well and you know it's funny like i've always getting to know a lot of the coaches at byu just through the restaurant 
one thing that I think people forget is how hard it is to be a coach's wife. I've always wanted to bring a few of them in here to talk about it because it is, especially here where we can't drink (laughs) and people just vent on Twitter and they forget like their wives and their children, they're reading this stuff. And it's like, do you imagine reading that about your husband or dad? Just fire him. He's horrible. He sucks. You know, just, oh, anyway, I have so much, you know, if you know a coach's wife, They've Love been through it, it and I'll tell you what would be really awesome is to get a group of wives in here whose husbands are done coaching, right? Because then, then they would really tell you what's that's, going on. That's true. I mean, they got nothing when to their, lose husbands, when their husbands are still coaching, they, they all have to be careful. They're like, I love his job. It's great. Oh, it's so it's awesome. such a great institution. But you get great them when benefits. they're when you know they're when the husbands are done and they've they've kind of moved on from protecting people. <laughs> they're like, I've left the church actually because BYU was so. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, that's pretty funny. Yeah, it's. I think that would be an interesting. That's a good point. We ought to get some retired coaches. Yeah, get wives Patty in here. and uh, you know and Cheryl. In that here, would be you know. really interesting. Because <laughs> you know how girls are too. They're just like sometimes it's a little harder for them not to talk yeah. some crap. Well, they want to one up each other too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They'll they like beat yeah. each other. You yeah. think that was bad? I'll tell you, let me listen to this. I'll tell you what really happened. That was bad. Uh, so so you've been, we'll say retired. For what? It's been about a year now. Huh? Yeah, almost. Uh, March uh, 26th was the day that I announced it, but right. I, we actually kind of made the deal a week or so before that. And um, so I've I've uh, I've had the the mantle of the BYU basketball program, you know, kind of removed from me for quite a while. And and I, I will tell you this: that uh, uh, one of the funnest things I've done in the last ten years is watch this team play. Right. I mean, this current team right now is. I mean, the relationship that I have with the guys is awesome, but just how uh, they've all just figured out the most important thing, and that is let's forget about all everything right. else and let's just win. And, right. And even even the games that they've lost and they've been beat, uh, they're a tough out. I mean, they've got four or five OT, you know, overtime games that right. they've been beat by. They've been beat by a bucket or two here or there or whatever. And uh, I think maybe once or twice in a year they've 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 been beat double figures, but the rest of them have been right to the end. And what an what an exciting uh, a team! And 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 then you know not to be able to just go watch the game and get all the rush of you know right being minutes, a fan and then go home and then walk, walk away <laughs> go wherever you want. I mean, yeah. when I was in Maui, you know, we went to the beach. When I was uh, right, you know, one night we went to went to dinner, you know, and so those those are no recruits to text. That, that's a no. that's a different feeling. So, anyways, that mantle has been removed for just about a year. Well, and I think that says a lot. It was you know when I was doing we do a court the courtside meals a few times a year and. It was cool. When you walked in, I'm like, you know, it, it usually goes one way or the other. It's <laughs> yeah. like when you're done with, you know, when you retire, some people just need to walk away completely. So to see you being a fan still and being there, like that's, well, that's you know, pretty it, cool. And my wife, Cheryl, and I have talked about it. I think I'll always, you know, be a huge BYU fan. But I think this, this team will probably be my most, you know, invested fanship sure. you know because i some of your guys i i just i mean i love Tej and dalt right. and, and zach i mean of those and and obviously you know yoli and and jake are guys who have such unbelievable stories but the the story for me is that relationship when we first started recruiting them to get them to come to byu and this is what right now 
what the whole process was about. Right. Come to BYU, you know, and play on a huge stage and you know compete for a conference championship against one of the best teams in the country in Gonzaga, and then uh, you know qualify for the tournament and make a run and that's all on the table for these five guys and that's what's fun for us right well i mean even i mean you've touched so much i mean even the coaches right i mean even pope and i mean yeah. they were all they mark, all worked mark, for mark and, worked for us for four years and cody right. cody right. was on our staff so um those are guys we, we know really well and then obviously uh nate austin so yeah, is I a grad assistant and luke worthington is a grad so assistant cool. and those are two of my favorite guys right. that i ever coached so nate is the best he comes in here all the time yeah. and i just crack he always sits in the small chairs <laughs> just because his wife's short i guess but yeah. he always just looks like a behemoth but he's a sweet guy so last week we were talking kind of about kobe and like him saying he didn't miss the game do you miss the game i know you're a fan of it now but like do you find yourself missing like coaching you know, that that is a great question. I get asked that a lot, and I'm surprised at my emotions because I thought I would have this exactly figured out and I knew exactly where it was going, um, but it's it, it, it's different than that. I, I, I actually miss the games, okay? I miss that competition and that, that evaluation. You know, hey, we put the game plan together. That Don't miss that as much. But the actual execution of the game plan, and then did we fail or did we succeed? You yeah, know, that part of it is a uh, is a miss. And then I miss the the juice of the gym, and I think that's why uh, two or three months ago I I kind of came out in in uh, one of the newspapers or one of the article I was in that I want to get back in the gym, and right. so I think I'm going to start. Uh, Start broadcasting either, um, oh, wow. you know, to be a color guy on a, on the radio or TV, depending on how it goes for me. You and Russ can hang out together. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna do <laughs> I'm gonna do a few things uh, with the WCC tournament and the Mountain West Conference tournament this year. Right, uh, and then uh, be huge. during the spring and the summer, uh, I think me and my agent will try to figure out. If I could, you know, latch on to uh, an ESPN or maybe a Fox or oh, CBS that's cool. deal, and really cool. Uh, I'd love to get into the Mountain West Conference just because I love those venues, and I'm a little bit removed from that. I think it'd be a little bit tougher, even though you know beggars can't be choosers. Sure. But the, the, the WCC, I'm just so close to it's all still so those, fresh. all those guys. Yeah, but, but it would actually be fun to do that league because of the relationships that I have with those guys. But uh, I uh, I really feel like um, you know I've I've got a renewed real renewed energy uh, you know with the the health issue that I had this summer it's amazing what these doctors have kind of done for me you know and they got uh, put a couple of stints in my heart and it, it's amazing I breathe a lot better I feel Jeez, a lot better and you have been through it man you know and so uh, yeah for those who don't know it wasn't just like a health thing it was a major heart yeah, attack it was it was well, interesting. let's not forget the uh, pancreas right yeah yeah oh. pancreatic cancer like that which is i mean that alone is yeah. just and that's that's coming you know that'll be 11 years in june crazy and wow. we've been battling that every six months i go and have uh scans but but anyways so when you ask me do i miss coaching i think i miss game nights and but i don't miss so much of what you have to do to get to game night you know and uh so hopefully uh i can find a way to to get in the gym and, and, and do some, you know, do some games, uh, broadcast and, and just feel the juice of the gym. And I know that if you get a TV gig that, uh, along with those nights in the gym, 
that uh, you got to do some studio work and that uh, I've done a lot of that actually I did that in 2010 and 11 back in New York with CBS during the tournament uh, and the studio work is fun depending on who's in the studio with you. Right. You know, like I think one of the greatest gigs in the world would be uh, TNT with Shaq yeah, and Jack yeah, with TNT. Oh my gosh. You don't even have to like basketball and, to like and, that show. Yeah. I mean, oh, just man. one night in that in that green room. And I mean, I mean you know, because you get in about six, they do two or three games and they're there all night. Yep. And by the end of the night, they're pretty. They're tired. Yeah. They're, they're pretty punch drunk and they'll say about anything. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I love watching those guys. Yeah. It cracks me up. So one thing I wanted to chat about a little bit, we'll jump into the BYU stuff, but for me, I've always been fascinated and I don't hear about it enough. The Houston days, man, the fight, the high slam and jamma days with Hugh, with Hakeem and Clyde and playing. I mean, what were those days like back then? You know, it's so crazy to think about that because the one thing that I really remember about all that was that it was so normal. And what's happened since then is it's become abnormal because these guys have, be, you know, Clyde and Akeem were two of the top 50 to ever play in the NBA yep. and careers afterwards. And and then the guys, you know, Larry Mishaw and Michael Young and Benny Anders, I mean, they're all kind of legends of their own from what they did after BYU. But at the time, I mean, after Houston, but at the time – we were just a bunch of guys trying to collect the, the ticket stubs because it had a free Big Mac on the back. If you bought a Big Mac, you got a free Big Mac, you know, and so you could get lunch for $2.20, you know, two Big Macs and a Coke. So, uh, but that's who we all were, you know, and just going through it and playing. But that senior year was pretty special. We won 26 games in a row. We got beat at Syracuse uh, in the Carrier Dome. Uh, and then we traveled to Japan and played in the Suntory Classic and uh, got beat by uh, Virginia. Um, and uh, that was Ralph Sanson's team. And then we won 26 straight games until we got beat in the championship game. And we're number one seed in the tournament. Uh, you know, all that was. And that, that was to say that that just seemed like it was normal is kind of weird, but that's really how it felt, you yeah. know. That let's just go play another game and yeah. What was it like with Hakeem and Clyde? Like, how were they as teammates? Well, you know, Clyde was really driven, uh, and and he was uh, he was always on to the next thing. You know, after practice, I mean, you, then he was getting the weight room or you know whatever the day was for him. You know, to keep his body strong, and uh, Hakeem was kind of more of. Uh, let's just go with the flow. And, you know, he had two or three different groups that he, he was involved with. So he was a great teammate because he, he could deal, he, he could hang with the, the young freshmen, the junior college transfer guys, you know, he was part of all those different groups. And I think that's why he was so popular as a player because he got along with everybody. Yeah. You know, it was funny. I, uh, last night, Cheryl and I went over to, uh, Mount Pleasant to watch Wasatch Academy in their, uh, their senior night, last home game, and that he got those five seniors, Caleb Lohner and Mahdi and uh, Saunders and uh, the, the, the little point guard. Uh, I think his name is Saunders too. And then, uh, you know, so watching that team, there were probably 25 dunks in that game. Yeah. Jeez. I mean, and, and, and a couple of them, if you get on, you know, uh, Instagram and take a look, uh, 
Kid put it through his, le- you know, breakaway, put it through his legs and dunked it. Like, like you don't see it in a dunk contest. I mean, you <laughs> see a, people trying it, but they don't make it. Do it yeah. in a game. And, uh, and Marty had a few, and, and Leo, that's the other guy that uh, I love, Leo. And, you know, he's just, he, it just reminded me of that five slammer jammer group because it's very rare that you see guys that dunk the ball and they're still going up. That's what Clyde was so famous for. There's that, it was like he he was going up and up, and then he'd shove that ball down, and then continue up, and then come. And, and then Leo had a dunk last night like that. But uh, that is uh, it's like Zion. That, that, I saw a dunk the other oh, night. Yeah. It, I mean, his elbows like, and he, it, and it's he, not at the rim. It's like up here, and it's like yeah, he's like pushing the yeah. ball down in. He he dunks it, and then he elevates another six inches, and then <laughs> right. Up. You know? Oh my God! And uh, that's what I saw last night. But that's what that—that's what it was like playing with those guys. Is you'd see things every day in practice that were just things you don't normally see, you know. And I, I think there were sometimes in the Southwest Conference at the time. It's now been disbanded, but um, sometimes our practices were way more difficult than the game we we're going to play the next game. You know, at that time Texas was awful and. Um, SMU was awful, and so you know our second team was probably could have given all those teams a pretty good get. Do you stay in touch with any of those guys? I do actually. Yeah, we have uh, we've had a couple reunions. You know, the Final Four was in Houston a few years ago, and we had a big reunion. I went down there this year uh, for the Houston BYU game. Okay, and uh, saw two or three you know guys that I played with, and uh, we have a manager, uh, our head manager, and his you know his buddy. Uh, are the two guys that kind of keep the the group together and have an email thread, and uh, it's interesting when big things happen down there to to kind of get a an, an email. Hey, you know, tomorrow night we play UConn, you know, and uh, you know this is happening, this is happening, and and I was always coaching. Yeah, and now that stuff comes soon. I think maybe I ought to go down there, you know. Yeah, but, uh, oh, for sure. We see that we see the guys, uh, you know. I'll, I'll, I I I've talked. I haven't talked to Clyde for. A while I think the last time I saw Clyde, we were uh, in Atlanta. I was on a recruiting trip, and uh, Coach Lacombe and I were in a cheesecake factory. And I looked over, and Clyde and his, his wife just was seated. And, and Tim goes, "Hey, uh, that's Clyde." I said, "Yeah." I'm, also, I'll say something to him on the way out, you know. <laughs> so on the way out, we we go over there, and uh, I kind of tapped him on his shoulder and said, "Hey, Mr. Drexler, could I have your autograph? Because I know he hates it." like like that's the worst thing you could ask him to do and so you know and then i kind of went behind the booth so he couldn't see who it was and just wanted to see what you know how would he respond (laughs) and he goes oh my gosh and looks around and he sees me he goes what in the world are you doing here (laughs) that was was pretty funny last time i saw akeem was uh it was at the final four a few years ago and we, we i had all my kids with me i took them to the final four and we went to the University of Houston just to show them the around where you know we're you know Cheryl and I were newly married and um, my oldest daughter was actually born there um, and so we went into Hoffines Pavilion, which is now the Fertitta Center, and there was a camp going on for kind of underprivileged kids, and uh, so I was showing them the the seats. Everything was exactly the same. It was before the renovation, and. Uh, 
uh, I said, so, you know, I went up to the guy who was directing the camp. I said, so you got any of the players coming by or is, is the coach around? And he said, well, no, but uh, Hakeem's up in the locker room if you want to go say hello to him. So we go up the tunnel, and he's sitting in there and uh, in the locker room all by himself waiting to go down and, and give a speech. And he sees me, and all my kids are with me. And he goes, my gosh, Dave Rose, I think you look better now than you did when you played. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether to take that as a compliment or an insult. You know? But that was pretty funny. <laughs> So when you were playing, when did you when did you first kind of have the itch or the thought to get into coaching? Yeah, that's a that's a interesting you know the way the whole thing came out because I I played at Dixie, mm-hmm. went on a mission, came back, played at Dixie, met my wife, we got married that summer, and then I signed with the University of Houston, and my track I signed up uh, you know when I registered for all my classes I was going to be a business major. My dad. You know, worked for Saudi Arabia Oil Company, Ramco, and uh, my brother, you know, oldest brother was in the Marriott Accounting School at BYU. My sister was a financial planner. I mean, these were, and so that was kind of the path that I was on. And after my junior year at uh, at Houston, I got hurt, and I was going to redshirt the next year and then play my the following year. And that's when I really, I just said. I interned at, at at Shell Oil, one Shell Plaza downtown Houston, and that year you redshirted, you interned. Yeah, and the the two most exciting times of the day was twelve o'clock and five o'clock, because twelve o'clock was lunch and five o'clock I got to go home, okay? <laughs> and so I wasn't really loving the, the corporate world too much, and so that next semester I went in and decided and went home. You know, I actually told my wife and. You know that was a, that was a shock to her because she thought she was going to marry a, a big city, you know, uh, businessman. And I said, "Let's coach. I, that's what I want to do. That's what I love. That's what I let's give it a let's give it a shot." And and it was an interesting career because most high school coaches stay as high school coaches, and mm-hmm. junior college coaches stay as junior college coaches. And I I was able to make a run through it and get a chance to be a Division one coach. And so it was. It's funny how it all works out, but uh, it was, to answer that question, it was my, probably all the way through my, what I wanted to do was coach, but I didn't really have the guts to tell people and my parents and everybody else until I was, you know, into my junior year of college. How come, why do you think you weren't, like, like what do you, what about it was kind well, of I, I, I think I think I felt a little bit of family pressure, you know, to, to kind of, uh, my dad, my grandfather was an educator uh, back in New Jersey um, years and years ago, and the only good thing my dad could say was that during the Depression he had a job and a steady salary, but it wasn't much, you know. And if you you sign up to be a high school coach, I mean, you're just not you're just not going to make much money, right. you know. And uh, and you have to teach usually. Oh yeah, you, you, and that's where you make all your money. Right, to actually right. be the coach is like fifteen hundred dollars. You don't get any. I mean, it's just right. ridiculous. And uh, and so if you're thinking about making money, that's probably not the direction you go into. Now, you're talking about being a Division One coach. You're talking about pretty good living, yeah. you know, but there's 350 of those jobs in the whole country, you know, and so it's a pretty competitive deal. But uh, that for me probably was that I didn't want to let down people and that, that's what they kind of wanted, thought I would be and wanted me be. And when you change 
professions, you guys have probably all been through that. When you you start on a path and you think that's going to be you, and then you're going to change that. That's pretty. There's a lot of anxiety involved, and you know, once you get it out there, it feels better. But trying to get it out there that first time is a little bit nerve wracking. Yes, you should tell people you're opening a restaurant and see what they say. <laughs> see what they say. <laughs> Did anyone try to like dissuade you not to do it? Were they well, pretty, I, were they pretty I, supportive? I, 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 uh, yeah, I think they're mostly pretty supportive. They all wanted tickets, you know. And, <laughs> uh, we were still playing, and, and uh, you know, the tickets became really valuable my senior year. But uh, I, Rose family is a good family yeah, to know. If you want right. free, I mean, we got a big Nike executive. Yeah, that's right. Right, Scott yeah, Rose, yeah. and then yeah, one of the best college basketball coaches <laughs> to ever do it. There's a lot of free stuff there. So we we we've had a you know a pretty uh, sounds like we need to get Scott in here a pretty good athletic life. You can actually get Scott in here now because uh, yeah he's retired, he's retired now, right? yeah and he's, he's having fun man. He's like traveling the world. Well, if you follow his Instagram, like I think the hashtag where's Rosie right? <laughs> good luck, <laughs> good luck guessing where he is. He's been everywhere. Oh yeah. man. So what have you been up to? Like what's kept you busy since retirement? I mean, outside of recovering from. Heart attack. Yeah, I mean, we've had some health issues. We've traveled a lot. Yeah, yeah, especially during the summer and the fall. We we really spent a, a lot of time on the road. We went to Hawaii twice. Uh, once with uh, a Nike coaches group. Uh, then with my family and all our grandkids, my kids and all our grandkids. And those were two terrific trips. Then we went to Maui again uh, for the Maui Classic. So uh, we spent a month in Italy, which was an awesome trip that we we've been kind of she, she she's been kind of planning that she wanted to spend six months in italy really and i talked her into your wife is the best yeah, man I, she's I, so cool she, she, she's been looking at all these villas to rent you know on the amalfi coast and everything and three months six months in these verbos or whatever the the deal is and i said are you kidding me <laughs> i said let's go for 30 days you know and it was it was the best i could have once i got to the amalfi coast i could have stayed there forever you know wow uh, it's a good thing on the trip we went to Venice, then we went to the Tuscany and, you know, into, uh, uh, down to Rome. And, uh, but if, if we'd have gone to the Amalfi coast first, I think we would have, you just, wouldn't have gone we would have just stayed there you know, the whole time, you know, cause that was, that was pretty cool. Wow. And then, and then, uh, and then we're, we're in the process of finishing a house that we started building over a year ago. And, We've 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 done quite a few uh, construction projects in our life, and my wife's done them all. She just loves it. It's, she's really good at it, and I, I I tried to get involved, and then it just frustrated the heck out of me. And so uh, I kind of not going anywhere then. If you're I, I kind of manage that, it that deep into that house, you guys are here to stay. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that uh, you know the, the fact that all eight of our grandkids are here right. uh, that will probably determine. You know, if 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 Brock, you know, my, my son-in-law Brock Richner, Chanel's wife, uh, Chanel's his wife. If if they pack up and leave, and if Garrett one of backs up and leave, then you know maybe we'll think about finding a right. place where I don't have to shovel six inches of snow <laughs> off my driveway in the winter time. Every day, it is. Uh, this has been, an, and especially when you're in the middle of a construction project. Oh man, that you really notice the weather, sure. what's happening, and it has been wet. Yep. I mean, it, it, and it hasn't necessarily snowed that much but it's just been a wet winter at least on the lot that we're building on i know right. that man that it it's the worst i i tried to get in my truck this morning and just go and i'm just like you know i can do it i can do it later and you know when you take that first step there's like six inches of snow and it's kind of the wet stuff yeah it was heavy this morning and you're like 
if we drive on this twice, I'll never. It'll be April sometime until you see the driveway. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm like, gosh dang it, I fired up a snowblower. And that, you know, that's, that's always been the beautiful thing about Provo is that it snows and then it melts. Right. And it snows and then it melts. And then you have, you know, somewhat, and the sun shines during the, the, the wintertime here, which a lot yep. of places you don't get any sunshine. Um, but, you know, some of these, uh, the temperatures have been really low the last, you know, three or four weeks and got to get rid of that snow, get it off the, the concrete. Right. So I have a question. I think, I don't think people realize what it takes to be a college coach. Would you say, I mean, run us through the typical year. Cause I mean, if I, if you're an NBA coach, all you gotta do is coach, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like you have a GM, you have scouts, you have everybody doing all that. But I think what people forget is that there's really no breaks. Yeah. Your life is dictated by the NCAA calendar. Right. And that calendar comes out and then you, you know, everybody understands from November until March, first of April. And then, you know, you think, oh, the season's over now. You know, he'll get to spend time with his family or, you know, go on trips or whatever. I mean, the weekend after the Final Four is, is the first week that you can go out and recruit. Recruit, right. And so if you're a new staff that just got the job, you're on it trying to sign guys for your next year's team, uh, you know, the majority of, of, of coaches in the top 50 or 60 in the country, they're trying to go out and get that next class of guys that they're going to try to sign, you know, in November. But there's a, there's a, you know, three different tours out there. There's a Nike EYBL uh, Elite Youth Basketball League that is sponsored by Nike that has weekend tournaments everywhere. And then Under Armour and Adidas have their own. And you find yourself the weekends that you're allowed to go out. You sometimes you're you know on a from a Friday to a Sunday, you're in three different cities trying to get a, a Friday evening somewhere, a Saturday somewhere, and a Sunday in another place. And uh, then you get home on Monday, and you know you're dealing with your students, your your guys trying to recover from the tournament run that you made up academically, all the things you've missed, and. And then you're back out again on, on on Friday, you know, trying to, you know, cover your bases of uh, of getting guys, and that's that's April. May is there's a little bit of downtime in May, but uh, um, you know you're still involved in uh, all the things at BYU. The calendar uh, rolls to where that's when spring semester, you know, starts the end of April, and so May is you're right in the middle of that. And, and you're working kids out. You, you've got a, a schedule every day for for that period of time. Then summer camps come along, and at BYU, it's a pretty heavy heavy schedule. You got four weeks of camps. You got a father and son camp in May, uh, Memorial Day weekend, and then there's three individual camps that go for 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 three weeks during June. And then July is the big recruiting period where you're out. At one time, when you know seven or eight years ago you would start on the 5th of July and you'd be out every day until the 31st of July. And then they right. went then they went to two 10-day periods where you're out for 10 days, home for four. And now that you can work your guys out in the summer, they've gone to a a, a period of, of the, you know, I think six or seven days and then six or seven days and then home and then six or seven days. But when you go home now, you go home to your student athletes and you're working them out in the off season. So, and then obviously you get to the fall, crank it up and get ready for, 
you know, back to November. So you, you don't uh, – and this year you take – that group of guys, and in August they went on a foreign trip because every four years you can go on a foreign trip. So they went to Italy, right? And uh, and played four or five games. Were gone for twelve days. So there, there's not any time in those years, you know, for time off. So well, not to mention when the phone rings right at <laughs> night with yeah. somebody doing something stupid, yeah. or I mean, it's <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. I, I, it just it never stops, and it's and, funny like reading. I've heard you say multiple times, and I remember you saying this at your retirement deal, you know, I've never worked a day in my life. Yeah. You got to really love something yeah. to, to be able to say that after hearing that schedule. Well, it's, you know, it, it, the thing about it is, is that I don't know anything about accounting, about accounting, but yeah. one of my best friends is an accountant, and I consider when he's strapped to his desk during tax season, he's yeah. working, you know. He thinks my life when I'm recruiting and flying to Indianapolis and then trying to drive to Atlanta or whatever I'm doing that weekend, that's a vacation, man. Oh, you know? no. I mean, that's what he thinks. No, so, no, no. Uh, but, but, you know, the one thing that makes it so fun is the kids, the players. The, I mean, I feel like I've, I've been stuck for 36 years in – that 18 to 22 year old life you know i was driving the van when i'm in junior college i'm you know 35 years old and i know all the latest rap song i know everything you know <laughs> and, and my wife's always accused me that i've never grown up but how could i grow up for you know, sure i'm hanging with these guys now for, you're a vegan forever you know you know i'm just kidding and uh, <laughs> and uh so but and, and then the, your coaches i mean i've had just i had the greatest coaches to hang out with and you know they're my bet some of them are my, my best friends today and um uh, that's uh those are a couple of things that when you talk about what do you really miss that's that's the stuff the that, relationships the time yeah, out with you them. guys are so tight like that every time i've come to feed you guys it's just it's funny you see the players are out screwed yeah. around but all the coaches they got their diet cokes and they're in their little coaches room and they just <laughs> huddle up together and they're tight and yeah. it's it's cool to see and we talked about it even before the show but the coaches wives they develop a real relationship right. and you talk about a support group uh to help you get through, you know, tough times, those families become really close to each other. Like Dave Rice and Mindy, they're, they're, you know, two of our best friends that still to this day. And, and, you know, Travis and, and Dylan are, are, you know, sometimes you feel like they're your kids. You see the right. things on, on, on Instagram and Travis is playing for the Huskies. Now he's on the, the squad with Washington and Dave's assistant coach there, but you know, Dylan's in all the school plays. I mean, it's amazing how, tight you become and it might might only be four or five or six years however many years you spend together but you you create lifetime memories and relationships you spend so much time together right and nobody else really can relate to what you're doing you know that's that's well what they what they all see is the two hours right two hours of the game you know 30 times a year and oh my gosh, that's the greatest thing ever! Look what's look what's oh. happening. Every once in a while, you know, you get beat, and you know, the people go, "Oh man, that must that must suck for them." And they go home, and you know, they're in their car before they get home. They forgot about it, and you know, those wives and kids, they live with it for five more days until you play the next game. You know, <laughs> yeah. Think about those five days. You know, oh, it would suck. Like you lose the game, we're like, oh. oh. And it doesn't be in a bad mood. This weekend's going to suck. It doesn't turn in your family until you win, right? Again, and you know, I think about Quinn right now, Quinn Snyder, and oh my gosh, and Quinn takes it as hard as anybody ever. You can just see it in his face when, they, I mean, when things are going good, you can still see the stress. But <laughs> but uh, you know, they won at eighteen out of twenty or something, and now they've lost five in a row with, with the Jazz. And uh, I, just, I, I just those are not fun days. 
Right. And all they, the only way you can fix it is by winning. You know, you yeah. got to go back and win a game. Um, how have you seen, we talked a lot about like the traveling, the recruiting. So I'm good friends with Chris Burgess. And so we'll chat a lot about kind of the recruiting and what he's out doing. How have you seen that change and evolve, you know, from when you first started to kind of what you have to do now? Yeah, I think the the biggest change is that uh, these kids are all identified so early. Yeah, because like right now, like realistically, when are you starting to find like, I mean, you always hear the jokes, seventh grade or sixth grade are getting offered scholarships, you know, but is that really when well, you're trying to find these kids? Well, you know, in my situation at BYU, I had a great class of guys, you know, uh, and then they all had younger brothers who are all pretty good. And so you meet those guys when they're in eighth grade or ninth grade and, and you have that relationship, you know, with those guys and, uh, and then they commit to you and, you know, you look at TJ, I mean, you know, I, I've been in TJ and TJ has been in my life for like 10 years. Yeah. You know, the last 10 years we've been doing this thing together. And so uh, that's, that's a long time. And BYU makes it even longer, you know, when, when you throw the mission in there. <laughs> right. and, so, uh, which we got to get rid of fear starter. Uh, <laughs> no, that you should no, be no, your no, mission. no, 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 no. You don't want to get rid of it. It just needs to be like a three month mission. <laughs> right. You know, like Off I, season. like I took, uh, Temple my, Square. I took my wife and, and, uh, my daughter to Nicaragua one year with some BYU athletes, soccer team. And we went down there and did three or four days of service. And it was a real eye opener for everybody, but Charles Abuo and Jimmer Fredette came with us. All right. And we, and they were the two basketball players that were kind of represented on this trip. And, uh, we got on a plane to fly home and, uh, I said, all right, guys, that's your mission. <laughs> don't, don't think about anything else. <laughs> when when your bishop calls you in, I've done my deal. I, right. coach, coach already told me. Listen. <laughs> I can say that now, okay? Right. I, I couldn't say that before. <laughs> but, I mean, but, but We all think it, right? We all think it. I mean, in all of our sports, it's like, man, you get, are you telling me that Jimmer can't convert more people playing on national TV? You know what I mean? So if you listen to media, it's a super big advantage. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a the huge stupidest advantage. It's only an advantage to those guys who don't have return <laughs> Seriously. But uh, I'll tell you that at, at, at some time it becomes an advantage, you know, late into the, maybe their senior year or something. Right. But more maturity. the process of it, you lose so many really good players yeah. in the process. And you don't know who they are. And so you think, all right, I got this guy and this guy, so let's recruit these two to complement these two. They come home, and a year later, this guy's not playing anymore. I mean, yeah. it's it's really difficult. And I actually thought that when the church made the change of the age, that that would be uh, so good to bring those guys home uh, and let have them have four years. And it's tough. It's way tougher than I thought it would be for those guys because they're really good players when they leave. Yeah. They're, high, they're the best high school player in their state or in their region or in their, you know, part of the world, and they go on a mission for two years and they're not good anymore. Right. And so you come back and now you're involved with playing against the best players you've ever played against, and they're all in the gym together, and you're not very good. It's way easier to make that adjustment 
coming right out of high school when you're still good right. and you make the adjustment play a year and then go on a mission and you and still you have to go through the process but your mind you've is, already experienced that competition your mind is different yeah. you understand it for those two years how difficult it's going to be because you went through it already there, there's some real advantage I, I, I've been asked so many times by parents if you had a kid what would you do you know and I, 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 there's a part of me that leans heavily towards having them play a year, do it the way we've always done it. And, and that's the way I did it. I played a year of junior college, then went on a mission, came back. And it got really difficult. I had groin injuries and calf injuries and all kinds. I you know, hurt my shoulder really bad trying to come back after I, from my mission. But I fought through it all and made it happen. And I think a lot of it was because of the experience that I had already had, that I, that, you know, that I'd been through it. And uh, we lost, we lost quite a few good players in that transition that uh, I didn't really, didn't really expect. I, we could, we get off on terrible little tangents. You ask me some question, <laughs> and it has That's nothing. What this is all about. It has nothing <laughs> Listen, to do with the question. We're we talking don't want about it to be like everybody else. Okay. We just want to, we just want to talk. Okay, jeez. <laughs> I do. I do have a question. I'm curious of your perspective. Does it have to do with the last thing that I said? I don't <laughs> yeah. want him to get mad again. Here, yeah. drink your diet Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious your thoughts on youth sports and where we're at now with how early you have athletes, parents, in my opinion, that are making kids specialize. Like, like, what is your thought on that? Well, I still believe, and I I was a multi-sport athlete, okay? And as much as the, the world has changed and I'm supposed to change with it, there's a lot of things that I'm just, I'm an old school guy. And I just believe that that experience was really good for me, so why shouldn't it be really good for kids today? And I played football and basketball and baseball and ran track. Um, and, I, you know, in, in high school I played baseball and basketball, and in junior college, I actually played baseball and, and basketball. I played baseball at Dixie. And, and when I went to the University of Houston, the baseball coach wanted me to come out for baseball after the basketball season. I hurt my knee in the last game of the year uh, in the NCAA tournament against Villanova. And I had, I had operation in the offseason. That's when I redshirted a year. So that's when my baseball career ended. But I think that when, when, I get, when, when, when we would get players at BYU – that had played multiple sports, I think their their room for improvement is so much better. You know, like Connor Harding right now, I think this kid is going to just, you know, just blossom into as good a player as we've had at BYU for the last 10 or 15 years. I mean, he he uh, he was a three-sport athlete in, college, in high school. Uh, Tim and I, you know, had a chance to go up and watch him play football. He was a quarterback his senior year. It was during a recruiting period, and uh, he had committed to us. And I wanted to just didn't want to, you know, leave him alone uh, for that period. So we went up and actually went to Rexburg, Idaho, and they played Madison. And he was the quarterback on it. Got two or th- been hit two or three times. I want to run out there and you know <laughs> pull him off. <laughs> Say, but maybe you play over here, <laughs> play defensive back or something. You know, <laughs> you determine who you hit. Right. Yeah. But. Uh, I, I do believe that kids uh, nowadays feel the pressure. And I I think you can be really good. You specialize, start at fifth grade, and become a basketball player, play in three leagues a year, you know, all year round. But I think they, they feel the pressure of uh, trying to, to, to be really good at that sport early. And that uh, – 
that creates some real anxiety, I think, for a lot of these kids. So what's funny is because whenever I talk, because I feel really strongly about the multi-sport thing, whenever you talk to people who have done it, either coached, they've played. Like just yesterday, I was talking to a friend. He played for the Dodgers and the Red Sox, you know, and he would hold camps. And he's like, honestly, he's like, he called them camp kids. He's like, you don't see a lot of the camp kids make it to the pros, right? you know? And everyone talks about it. And you look at the professional athletes or the high, the, the guys who are there, and most of them are multi, multi-sport athletes, mm-hmm. you know? So why do you think it is that like this push on specialization is so strong and is going so young? Well, <laughs> I'll tell you what I think. I spent uh, 14 years as the head coach and I never told anybody what I thought. (laughs) (laughs) I just answered the questions, okay? (laughs) But I'll tell you what I think right now. I think a lot of it is because the parents feel like that's the way to do it. That's the way to make it happen. And, you know, that they maybe they missed out and the reason they missed out is because they were multi-sport athletes. And so let's do it different with our kid. When in reality, they missed out because they probably weren't good enough, all right? And it's hard to make kids good enough uh, at a really young age. Let them fight through all that and battle through it on the, the basketball court and the baseball field and on the soccer pitch. And, and, and then when you get to a certain point where you decide, this is my favorite sport, yeah. then let's let's do it. And that might not come until you're – a junior in high school, a sophomore in college. I mean, who knows when that's going to come? And, uh, you know, it's it's funny. I I read something the other day that our volleyball team at BYU has got a a kid that was a heck of a baseball player. And uh, Sean Holmquist said, I bet you if we let him go out on the baseball field that that he'd be starting – you know, pitcher or whatever position he was. And and I don't think we want to get to that point, you know, right. uh, where everybody's competing against each other. I lost Corbin Kafusi to the <laughs> football team, you know. And that really – it was never, ever mentioned, and we never spent much time on it, but that hurt us. That was a sure. that was a tough guy to to, to, to to have to – you put three years into him, and then he he's ended up and, – and good for him. He's in the NFL, and, right. you know, for the Jets. But uh, we, we missed the big fella. Uh I think that when we talk about Corbin, he's probably the only player in the history of the world. And I'm not talking that sometimes we exaggerate, but I'm a, the history of the world that has gone on an opposing team to Gonzaga and is undefeated. He's 3 and 0 at Gonzaga. Wow. And once, I didn't know that. I'm in fact when he was playing football and we were going to go play the fourth time I called him up and said, hey, come on with us. Just come dress. <laughs> Just come dress. I'll get you eligible. You know, you're know, you taking classes. Everything's good. I'll just put a uniform on you because we need you to make wow. that happen. But he That's pretty cool. He, that is cool. He beat them uh, all three times, and one of the times they were 29-0 and 0 and ranked number one in the country. So I remember watching one of those games here, and it was just so – what was that ugly dude with the nasty hair, that big – Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, man, it was so fun to watch him play like – this Paul News that was just bouncing him around because he was getting football thick again. Uh, yep. And he was just roughing him up. And you could just tell that he was not used to that. Oh, it was so much fun to watch. And, you know, the, I, I remember, I mean, we'll talk about Corb here because I brought him up. But uh, one time in the game, he goes after a ball. The other guy goes after a ball. And, and you know, the opponent is just knocked into the scorer's table upside down. And it looked to me like – you know, they were both just, you know, going for the ball. Right. And the referee calls a foul, 
And I go up to the ref, I say, what in the world was the foul? I mean, they were both going after the ball, and they hit each other, but there was no advantage, no disadvantage. He says, I don't know, but it was way too much. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because he's 6'10", 300 is way too much? He said, I don't know, but it was way too much. (laughs) <laughs> that was that was one of the that's the only time I got that explanation from an official. And then he was honest. Yeah. You're just like, honest. oh, all right, fair enough. We had we had him and Bronson on the show. They were like our fourth or fifth guests and oh it was so it, How about both those kids played football and basketball at BYU? Yeah. I mean how awesome is yeah, that? They probably could have played yeah. and now they're teammates. Sports. Yeah. Now the team That's really cool. Yeah. They really do have such a cool I love how close they are and it's I mean, how cool is it that they're together? I mean that whole family. Yeah. I mean they're all I mean, I don't know. I'm not a real big social media guy, and I probably need to to, to jump into it if I'm gonna. You've improved. If I'm gonna do, you've this done a lot stuff, better. Uh, you know, if I'm gonna start a broadcasting career somehow. Sure. But uh, when they were doing the uh, the, uh, the the what, what was it? Keeping up with the Kafusi. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it was when they had a lot of time. I think a year, summer ago, or whatever. And they'd get, they'd get long into, hair. They'd, yeah, they get him in the weight room. You yep. know, and they'd work out at uh, you know one of these uh, facilities at twelve o'clock at night or one o'clock in the morning. They're all in there, you know, pumping iron oh, and gosh. and then they'd you know show them on the you know fishing and you know Corbin's trying to catch fish with his hands. <laughs> they're mean, nuts. Yeah, they're all wearing tights. Yeah, or short shorts. That was a pretty good little. That was entertaining to me so for sure oh they could totally have their own reality show they'd be amazing so i have another coaching question yeah it's related i think it fits with what andrew asked but i'm dying to know i mean you've been coaching you said you've been in this 18 to 22 year old realm for the last 30 plus years what have you seen like what's changed right i mean i see it just hiring that age group kids are different yeah in what way they're the, the, it's the most impatient group of uh, individuals I think that's been put on the planet. You know, I don't know before that. You know, before '57 when I was born, but I'm telling you, the, these kids want it so fast, and they want it right now, and it's hard for them to wait. That's why I'm so impressed with uh, you know some of these kids, uh, you know, on the on on the BYU team, basketball team right now because they're playing such an important role. And they could give so much more. I mean, Connor Harding could be leading scorer on this team if it was his turn, you know. But Zach Selyus and Dalton Nixon and the roles that they're playing now as seniors. And that's how it was for quite a few years with us there. And then the impatience, my gosh, these kids, would do, they were all leaving. They, they, they didn't, they didn't uh, you know, play a lot in their first year or their second year. And I didn't really coddle to them like probably I should have because I needed to adjust. But my, my ab- approach was always, hey, listen, you know, there's not a fence around this joint. If you don't want to be here, then, you know, <laughs> go somewhere else. And that's not the right approach. I can promise you that <laughs> as a coach because you need these guys and you need sure. you need them to get old with you to be well, good. Because you invest so much in those first couple of Absolutely. years. That you- and so you put all the time in and you, you get them right ready to play and then they go play for someone else. You know, and that's not the answer, especially at BYU. So uh, I, I think that that's probably the, the biggest thing is that uh, there is um, – there's just it's just there's not a lot of patience with them and then the other thing that i think at least in the basketball competitive world is there's so many outside influences on the kid 
now that there wasn't 15 years ago. 15 years ago, you could line up with the kid, the mom and the dad, and you would know exactly what you needed to do to make this, to get this kid to come to your place. Now you've got to expand that reach into personal trainers, AAU coaches. I mean, people who have uh, have the year of the kid, and 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 you know what? I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just telling you that's different. Sure. You know, that the dad now and the mom might be different, but you've dealt with that. Mom wants him to go to her alma mater. Dad wants him to go to his alma mater. Um, but now you got an AAU coach who the kid takes just as much. Uh, his, of his advice right. and that guy wants him to go to the the coach that he's best friends with you know and then you've got a personal trainer that the kid's been seeing since eighth grade who the kid just loves and that guy thinks hey listen i got a chance to get a job at this place why don't i mean i mean all kinds of crazy things and that's different because so many people now have the ear of the kid that was different than it was 15 years, 20 years ago. But, 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 but I think they've really changed in the last five years too. Right. And that, that has come to where I, I think I'd put it more on the fact that, that they just want everything right now. You where know? do you think that comes from parents, social well, media? Well, I, I think, I think, the, you know, most, <clears throat> at least, you know, the group that we're dealing with, most parents are pretty successful and they've, provided a pretty good life for these kids and you know the the right for them is not just to be born and have an opportunity the right is to be born have an opportunity and have a cell phone and have a car and all that is provided for them and so when it's time to to move on then and 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 i don't know if entitlement is the right word but i think we've got a generation that their expectations are a lot higher for what their people are going to do for them than maybe a ge- generation before that. Well, and they don't know what losing is, <laughs> you know, like yeah. I look at sports with my kids and even grades, there's no F's anymore. There's no D's anymore. Yeah. You know, it's like we're scared to let kids fail. Well, it, it's interesting to listen to parents, even young kids like our camps. I mean, we would run our basketball camps at BYU and uh, we're talking about 500 kids a week for three weeks. And then we have a father and son's camp that had 10, maybe 1,100 dads. Uh, That's a dads. great catering job, by the way. So thank <laughs> it's, a you. Great, it's, a, it's a great camp. But you listen to the interactions of these kids going through all these competitions. And the dads, you know, or, the, or you know, just the parents, they – it, it, there's always a reason why it happened that's not really the kid's fault. Yeah, They're always martyr. And so, oh, that referee, what a moron. Or, you know, hey, that other kid, he's shooting the ball way too much. That's not your fault. You know, I mean, my dad, he would, he would put it on me. I'd strike out three times and say, hey, you better get to the batting cages. You suck, you know. <laughs> right. and well, that's something with I don't my hear kids. A lot, I don't hear a lot of that anymore. <laughs> no. Well, with Never. my boys, like if my boys, my oldest is 10, so he's starting to get more in the competitive side of stuff. He'll be like, that was such a bad call by the ref. I'm like, no, it wasn't. That's yeah. on you. Like, yeah. I'm like, you don't get to talk about the ref. I'm like, as soon as you play a perfect game, yeah. as soon as you don't make a mistake, then I'll let you talk about someone else. You know, and he's always like, <laughs> you know but it's good like they've got to learn that stuff because if you get to the age where they're dealing with you and they don't know what it's like to be told different when someone like you gets in there and just like do pull your head out of your ass <laughs> they're gonna be like what did you just say yeah. <laughs> yeah. mom <laughs> it's uh 
it's different. And it's, I'm not saying that everybody is that way. I mean, there's there's uh, there's really special kids and special parents who have, you know, I, I love the old school parents. I had quite a few parents over the years that, uh, you know, just said, hey, listen, we're so happy that he's coming to BYU. We're so happy he decided to play for you. And I want you to know that, hey, you don't don't coddle this kid. I want you to go after him and challenge him and make him better than he thinks he can be. And you have my permission, you know, and those are the ones where you go, whoa. That's awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I mean, you have such a huge weight on your shoulders because, I mean, you're the coach and you're there to win, but you're there to kind of like help these young men become men, right? You're yeah. there to teach them all of these life skills through sports. Especially at BYU. I think you know, that's, yeah. that's, you know, that's, Part of the well, you look at the mission, the package, the mission right? statement of the of the athletic department, and in there, I mean, we're talking. There's you know talk about being competitive and being you know nationally relevant, but the most important thing is to create leaders. You know, leaders to the for, for the right. future, and that's uh, it's hard to create a, a really successful leader if you're not really honest with them. You know, because it's always going to be one sided. And and if I was giving any advice to parents, I'd, I would just say, hey, listen, let your kids lose. Yeah. Let your kids get beat. Sometimes the other team is just better than you are that night. And that's okay. And challenge and challenge your kid to get better, work harder, put more time in, you know, and uh, and that's healthy. I think I think it's really healthy. Well, I mean, responding to adversity, that'll help you in everything. It'll help you in marriage. It'll help you at work. It, it's like, well, how many businesses you lose, have to fail? You exactly. know what I mean? Like if you lose, you could, there's two different ways you can go. You can yeah. give up and just say this sucks and it's everybody else's fault or I don't want to lose anymore. So what do I got to do to make that happen? Yeah. Do you have any examples of players that maybe we're going to ride the bet? I mean, they're good, but maybe bench players, but really worked their can off and became something special. And Rudy's. Well, you know, I have, I, I have so many guys that were just so good for our our program and good for three or four different teams. You look at guys like Anson Winder. You know, he comes in and Anson. that first year, you know, we have a great team and really good guard line, and he comes in and asks me if he can redshirt, you know, because he just wants to learn. And, you know, and, he, and then, you know, when you redshirt nowadays – you graduate after your fourth year, and so you can go be a graduate transfer and leave and go play wherever you want. And, you know, he hangs in there and plays all five years at BYU and plays on, I think, four or five NCAA tournament teams. And by the end of his senior year, I mean, he's uh, one of the best players on that team. Right. And it's a really good team. And uh, I think that those are the program guys that we got away from for a while because they just weren't patient enough. I'll look at a guy like Josh Sharp. You know, Josh was, uh, you know, such a, and we used Josh his junior year and his sophomore year and little, you know, snippets here and there when guys got injured. But we get to a, his senior year and our team's really struggling. We put him in the starting lineup with about eight games left and we go, you know, seven and one, finish the season. He's, uh, he starts it all. And so he's a, he's the starter at BYU when he left. And if he would have transferred and gone somewhere else, I mean, he would have, ended up being just a regular guy on a right. regular team for nine months, eight months. And and now he's kind of entrenched in the BYU lore as far as uh, his ability to stay committed and, and, and you know, just do it the right way. And, and and I'm not saying that's that's for everybody because sometimes these kids, 
like our BYU quarterbacks. My gosh, we got so many good quarterbacks at BYU right now. And and the one kid, I guess, put his name in the the, the portal, uh, the Critchlow kid. Yeah, Critchlow. Yeah. And and you know, in some ways, it's probably justified sure. because it's uh, you know he he had big dreams, and it's probably not going to happen here. But um, I I just think that uh, every situation is a little bit different, and when things start. I just hope that Mark can get this back to where there's a, a handful of program guys every year that stay with the, the team and really help us. Hmm. What would you say, and I don't know if we can talk about this or not, but I've always been curious, like what was it like trying to recruit like a Jabari? You know, like you don't, I, I guess in my opinion, you don't have a ton of like, see like the national, like the Duke guys. I don't, I don't know how often you were recruiting against guys like that. You know, so like Frank Jackson, yeah, like from Frank, like from the outside looking in, I'm just curious. Like it's that's really difficult, yeah. You know, because, <laughs> and this is, you know, again, I'll tell you exactly what I think. Uh, <laughs> is that you? You recruit those guys, and you think in your heart, as the coach at BYU, that the best thing for those guys are to come here. This is the best place that you can increase your. Stock in the NBA is the best place that you can to help you become the best player you can possibly become. Obviously, it's going to help us, you know, but you believe in your heart that you've got something that is the best for them. What, why, why do you think that? Like because what? I, I just think that when LDS kids come to BYU and they succeed and you know, make it past the norm, like Jimmer's years, you know, right. that you become, I mean, who is a bigger legend, you know, on the on a, in, in the LDS world, uh, oh. Jabari Parker or Frank Jackson or Jimmer for death? Oh, for I sure. Mean, how many kids are named Jimmer? That, yeah. That's all yeah. you got to ask. That, that, that answers that question. So, so, <laughs> so as a coach, that's what you believe. But when a Duke jumps in or Kansas jumps in or, you know, a, a North Carolina it's like they think that you understand that that's best for them to go to Duke or no, see, I, no, 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 no. I, you don't get it. I'm not thinking that way. Okay. I don't think that the best thing for this kid is to go play for Mike Krzyzewski and be the fifth guy off the bench or yeah. uh, you have a year that's not really good. And so they go out and sign three guys right over the top of you that are better than you are. I don't think that's the best thing, but they think, Oh, everybody knows Duke's better than BYU. So it'd be better to go to Duke. And that's the hardest part of it is trying to juggle that without offending the heck out of all those people, you know, that are involved in it. Oh, come on, coach, you know, you'd go to Duke too. Well, I don't really agree with that, you know? Right. And that's, uh, that that's the biggest part of that. Well, the, the hardest part, Jabari wasn't nearly as difficult as Frank. Because we had Frank for about a year and a half, yeah, you know, and he was committed, and he just played his way into another level, and he felt like, and all the people around him tell him everything. Well, you've played yourself into another level; you need to pursue that level. And once he started produce, pursuing it, uh, you know, that's you know, things changed. And Frank will tell you today if you brought Frank in here on the podcast, he'll tell you that uh, he probably could have been done everything just as good and had even a better experience if he'd have come to BYU. Because he's going to be a great NBA player. He's right. I think I think the Pelicans are trying to hide him right now. <laughs> so it's they, funny, so like inside him, they can sign him again. <laughs> yeah. I wish they would like. Yeah. It's funny every time he gets in, he makes a difference. Yeah, I he, mean he he's a good. He player. is a scoring guard, right? And it doesn't matter if he's a point guard or an off guard. You you put that kid on the floor and he will score points. 
He's a good kid, too. Yeah, yeah, good kid. Great kid. He really is. I get to feed the Pelicans when they come to town and just because of the whole Saints thing, and it's so fun to see. Like yeah. He is. He's he's a good kid. And my nephew, uh, Trey, uh, my youngest brother, uh, third son, is kind of his running mate. They live together back in New Orleans. Really? Yeah, and so they do everything together. They dress together. the same? They, um, Frank dresses there, weird. There is no way that, there's no way that Trey could, could pull off what Frank's pulling off. It's I mean, you know, those the, guys, those NBA confident guys, kid, man. they can wear anything, and it's it looks so, good. And if so it doesn't true. look good, you just tell them it looks good. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> I think that's Trey's job, you know? It's what like, is it about basketball player? You know, I always tell people, Mike, of all the sports, there are – the most high maintenance menus are basketball players. Yeah. I mean, from BYU yeah. Yeah. to the Pelicans, it's like we need salmon, shrimp. Yeah, you know, it's like, well, oh, it's not on your menu. Like, well, I don't care. We still want it. <laughs> oh, okay. It's a, it is really funny. Like the dietary stuff with basketball yeah. players is a lot more high maintenance. Well, than any when you other look sport. when you look at the guys in the NFL that are most like NBA players, right? They're like wide receivers, right? You know, and who's the highest maintenance? In the totally NFL. right. That's true. They're wide receivers. And who, oh, you're who, not kidding. Who dresses the wildest in the NFL? Yep. They're the, usually the loudest. Quarterbacks, you know, they're, they got their own deal, but everybody understands that quarterback thing. Right. You know, but you take guys, and, and then you take those really elite cornerbacks, you know. They're same the, thing. Same thing. They're coming with the, the Shermans, top hat, the Kane, the you know, Petersons. They're going to say the most. But that that you got a whole team of those. Okay, <laughs> when you coach in the NBA, that's really funny because that's dead that, on. Yep. That's really funny. Dead on. Wow. Well, this has been really cool. So, I, do we have any other things? That, I, I guess I got a few more. But how are you on time? I'm fine. Okay. I'm retired. I'm, I'm retired. Re- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my thing is, we have a lot of people who listen who maybe don't aren't huge sport fans right and so we've hit a a lot of things but if you were to have like or when you go and speak to people because i know you do that a lot like what is kind of your message to people like if you were the tim ferris question if you had a billboard and you wanted to leave like a one message for someone like this generation like what would be that message you want well it's it's kind of cliche but it really hit me hard when i was diagnosed with cancer uh 10 years ago and um I was running a race that I, I don't know if I could have survived, you know, and, um, you know, the, 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 my wife, she always says that I was trying to sprint a marathon and I was just going to run myself right into the ground. And, um, and so from that, we tried to turn the page a little bit and figure out a way to enjoy the journey, to enjoy what we're doing, not just live for the result, you know, and as a coach, every season is a, is a new journey. And then there's a result and how that, you know, turns out. And so, um, uh, you know, for me, like next week, I'm going back to Atlanta and I'm speaking to a a group of three or 400 American cancer society volunteers and try to get them fired up to, uh, you know, go out and have another year of, uh, it's it's amazing how many volunteers there are in the world doing great work, supporting unbelievable causes, uh, and I think they the, the, those are the people who who understand the importance of enjoying the day and to seize the day and to make each day kind of your own uh, you know little masterpiece and then move on to the next one and. Uh, I, I know that that's one of the hardest things uh, to do for young players. You know, I, I was kind of 
you know, maybe ripping on some of the, the younger guys in that generation. And, and, and really, and, we're ripping on their parents. Yeah, and talking about the talking about the <laughs> I mean, their patience, their, fault. their patience level. But I, I, I'll tell you that there's so much good that happens um, every day that I think we ignore that we just right. get right past because we're waiting for the big thing. You know, we're waiting for the Saturday night. You know, championship game instead of just you know enjoying everything in between. Enjoying the journey. Yep. You know, it's like this Kobe thing. I think the Kobe. I think a lot of people. You know, that's what we talked about last week. Like those are the things that make you kind of go. I mean, if Kobe Bryant can just go. I mean, how did you feel? Ugh. How did you feel? I don't. Everybody was somewhere, but how did you feel when you actually? knew that the news was true and he was actually gone and there was no more Kobe. You you can't you can't trick how you feel. No. Nope. And I was driving and I'd been out of cell service, you know, and we get into the back into cell service and bam it pops up on my wife's phone. And I I, I just it, it was I was shocked at how I felt because it, it, it just hit me like, you know, I don't know the guy. I watched him play and thought that my gosh, this dude is the—he's just a killer. He's just the best that you can possibly have in his time. And everyone wanted to compare him to Michael Jordan and then LeBron when LeBron comes on. And I, I'm not really into comparison. I'm just—I watched that dude win five NBA rings, and I watched him do 60 on the Jazz, the last game of his career. And I mean, and then everything that he's done in the last three years. It hit me really hard, and I think it did everybody. It really did, and especially in the sports world, guys who were NBA, you know, fans. And there's a lot of NBA fans in the state of Utah because of the Jazz, and right. and then you know, Kobe was kind of a a pain in the the, the side of the Jazz, and and, and so <laughs> now there's a, there's a lot of guilt going on in the state. Oh my gosh, I yeah. wished all these bad things on this dude, you know. And yeah. So you're trying to Brent fix Andrew. all that in a short period of time, you right. know. And uh, but <laughs> you end up writing letters to him. Yeah. <laughs> but the the, the 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 one thing that uh, for me that affected me was I had a lot of people call me, and I, I could you know name ten guys right now that. The conversation that we had wasn't about Kobe, but after I hung up the phone and we were done talking, I know that he called me and we had that conversation because they don't want life to go any more days without that conversation with me. And that was pretty cool. Wow. You know, that was pretty cool. Kind of what Shaq said. And it, and it was players and it was I wow. mean, former players, former teammates, guys that I played with. Assistant coaches, you know, that I worked with. I mean, it, it was uh, an interesting three, four, five days, but it affected affected a lot of people. Such that's, a, that's something that we didn't really talk about, you know. I mean, that's what Shaq said. You know, if you're holding a grudge, if there's something that you got to get off your chest, like just don't waste another minute because you just don't know when it will end. And so to hear how many, if, if you had 10 people call you, that's why I was saying in the podcast last week, I'm like, God can accomplish so much in such a short amount of time with somebody like that. And it's so sad that it happened, but how much of the world was kind of righted in the next 24 hours after that happened, because everybody got some things off their chest. They reconnected with the loved one. Like, I mean, man, if you, t if you look at that on a global scale, cause he was a global icon, 
I mean, man, there, uh, who knows? Maybe a war isn't going to start because of him passing. You know, I mean, who knows? And, and I, th- I think the the biggest challenge is to make it last. Right. That's the, that's the you key. Know, is, to, is to make it last because we go through these emotional cycles and it affects you and it hits you and hey, I'm I'm going to change. I'm going to be this this guy. And then you know, two three weeks later, you know, you're kind of you know back doing the same thing and, and forgetting what happened because it's right doesn't have that same well, it comes back to, to what you. you said about enjoying the journey right like you got to create these habits along the way and like that's our we should be our goal is to change these daily habits to enjoy that journey as opposed to just trying to reach this end destination or this end goal to check that box uh, that's how we start that's what we started talking about was was the actual question about what's my mantra or what i would <laughs> right, say right but then and you I, went and i told you but but i will tell you that uh my last 10 years of coaching basketball was way more fun than my first 26. Okay. And it was, I may not have been as a good a coach when I was, after I was diagnosed with cancer, but I do believe that I was uh, a much better person. And, and, and sometimes that got me in a little bit of trouble because uh, it used to be really easy to do things to my roster or to my team or to and and my my heart was just a little bit softer you wow know? and uh and so i i think that loyalties were so much more important to me which i think is really uh a good thing really a good thing in life right. but sometimes as a coach maybe you know it was too it was too one-sided and and but uh, I don't have to worry about that anymore, you know, because I, now what I'm going to be is I'm just going to be a really nice, <laughs> excellent broadcaster, you know? <laughs> and I'll get to criticize. You know, <laughs> I'll get to criticize what the coaches are doing. You, you <laughs> laugh about it, but I think that that is. I think you, what you just said is a really special thing. I mean, to one to not have a problem with just admitting that, but I mean that's a really good lesson for all of us. It's like, hey, there is winning. But sometimes, I mean, we got to remember that human connection part's really important. And if you love somebody and they're loyal to you, you got to be loyal to them. Absolutely. And I think that's uh, I think that says a lot about you. Yeah. Well, appreciate you coming on today. So yeah. cool. Yeah. That was a lot well, of fun. Come whenever you want. Just, <laughs> just just come on again after you're working with the ESPN, and just don't forget us. <laughs> All right. Okay. Yeah, that'll be fun. Hopefully it, that it, it works out good. And. Uh, Hopefully that we have a great run with this team late into into oh, March. For sure, I, it is a special team. Fun I think, team. I think it's going to be fun watching them. And yeah, yeah we'll uh, we'll be picking your brain. It was funny you called out. Uh, I remember you coming in here before the tournament last year. Oh yeah, and I asked you your yeah. final four. Yeah, you remember who you told me? Cl- hey, I was pretty close, wasn't you I? You were yeah. like it was crazy. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. So this yeah. guy knows the stuff. <laughs> if you're listening, it, so, yeah, if you're listening, yeah, <laughs> listen, they might be. You never know. <laughs> Well, thanks for coming, Dave. We sure appreciate it. All right, guys. Thanks. Yeah, have a great week.